These are men in detention in Washington, D.C. January 6th protesters still in custody. This photograph was taken last night, and there they are actually singing the national anthem. I'm told this is a nightly ritual uh, for the 30 or 40 so still in custody. And many of us believe they should not be there, but they finally had a very high-profile visit. Uh, Louis Gohmert, Congressman and Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene, Republican of Georgia. She got inside. She saw those patriots. Congresswoman, first of all, welcome back to Newsmax. How are you? I'm doing well, Greg. Thank you. It's good to see you tonight. Good. To, how are they doing? They're not doing well. You, you know, I've been trying for months and months to get in the jail. I've been requesting a tour of the entire jail, uh, not just the Patriot Wing. But finally, after uh, just fighting and refusing to give up and even going to the mayor's office and demanding a visit at the D.C. jail, we got in last night. I received the call less than 15 minutes notice that I had to be at the jail at 630. I found I found that out when I was walking off the floor and I called Louis Gomer and asked him if he would like to come with me. And so uh, myself, uh, four members of my staff, Congressman Gomert, and two members of his staff, we went to the jail last night and toured the jail along with the city council of Washington, D.C. But we were on our way being taken to leave the jail, and we had not seen the January 6th defendants yet. And I asked them, I said, you know, part of this tour is for us to see the January 6th defendants. And then they proceeded to tell me no that that was not part of my tour. Well, I wasn't having it, Greg, and I was going to go scorched earth on those people. And I told them it was going to be very bad if I had to leave that jail last night without seeing the January 6th defendants. And then they made some phone calls and they changed their mind and they allowed me to go in along with Congressman Gomert and our staff. And Greg, I wanna tell you when we walked into that section of the jail that is completely separate from the rest of the inmates and the other pretrial defendants there. What I saw is what appeared to be men who were political prisoners of war, and they had thought that they were forgotten. They had thought that they, you know, everyone didn't care about them. They felt hopeless, but when we walked in, it was a complete change. They came flooding out of their cells and, and coming down the stairs and coming to the common area where we walked in cheering, clapping, and crying because they had not seen anyone come in there and had felt like no one cared about them. Now, I wanna also say this, Greg, I've, they, these are men that are charged with crimes and I'm not defending what they had done at the Capitol and I'm not defending the riot because I did not like the riot. But what I am there for and the reason why I'm standing up for this issue is I am, I am solidly against political witch hunts and I'm against what's happening to these men and how they're being treated. And I do believe in due process. I believe in justice. I believe in our court system. And I don't think politics should have anything to do with it. And these are men that have committed misdemeanors and they have been held for nearly 10 months now, some of them, since they were arrested in January. And it's time for America to wake up. We can't allow this to happen in our country. I agree. What can we do? The establishment, Joe Biden, you know, they, they could all they won't lift a finger for these guys. You have too few others have joined you. What can we do? What should be done or what can how do we fix this? And by the way, it should never happen to anybody. 
No, it should never happen to anyone. And here's what everyone can do. Stop being complacent. Stop sitting on the sidelines because it's complacency and sitting on the sidelines and refusing to speak out is why we are where we are in America. You know, this is the greatest country in the world, and we are not a country where people should just languish and rot away in jail simply because they didn't like the outcome of an election and maybe because they got in a few fights and, and did things they shouldn't have done. But they have been charged with these crimes and they should be allowed to bail out of jail. They shouldn't be forced to stay in there in horrible conditions. Some of these men are not receiving medical treatment and they need it. There was one elderly gentleman whose entire hand is purple. He has some kind of medical condition. He needs treatment. His hand is purple and his thumb is turning black. It looked like something that you might see people lose a hand or lose a foot over. He needs help. There's another man in there that has a broken finger that is bent sideways and they are refusing to help him and give him medical treatment. There's another man in there that has celiac disease and they're giving him the proper food and he's very, very sick. But these people are, they're living in horrible conditions, uh, broken toilets, they can't use the toilet. There's mold on the walls and, and this is, they aren't allowed out of their cells. Um, for the first four months, some of them were kept in their cells in solitary confinement 23 hours a day, and they were only let out for one hour a day. Imagine on misdemeanor charges being treated that way. Uh, then after that, there was two months where it was 22 and two, where they were held in solitary confinement for 22 hours a day and only let out for two hours a day. They haven't seen their families. And here's the big issue, Greg, if they refuse to get vaccinated, well, then it's even worse treatment. Many of them won't take the vaccine and they're not allowed to have haircuts. They're not allowed to shave. They're not allowed to have religious services. They're not allowed to receive communion. And it, this is this is outrageous. And it, this is something that every single American needs to call your representative. You can call the mayor of, Dish, of DC. You can call this jail and demand that things change. And it's not just the January 6th defendants that are living in horrible conditions, but many of the other inmates in this jail. And the U.S. Marshals, they went there and inspected the facility and they found the facility, part of it to be, it didn't even meet, did not even meet the minimum requirements that needed to be met. And so there's 400 inmates that are being transferred to another facility in Pennsylvania. So this is just another situation yeah. in a Democrat-run city where we are seeing subpar conditions, we're seeing high crime, and we are seeing people live in, in god-awful conditions that should not exist. Um, even, you know, people commit crimes, they've been convicted, they're serving their time, but they should not live in abuse and, and such horrible conditions. Well, some of them have not been convicted. I, I have to go, but some of them that you talk to, they have not been convicted. And oh, there well, are some people, by the way, yeah, right, they're not convicted. And some of them we know, I mean, take the Horns guy, he's in another facility. He didn't hurt anybody, he didn't break anything. There are people in custody who didn't hurt anybody and didn't break anything, and it's wild. Look, I'm so glad you're on the case, and I know they appreciated it. When you walked in, that must have been something, you and Louis Gohmert. We thank you. What's that? They gave me this. They, this, is a, this is a hand-drawn flag, hand-drawn flag, and every night at 9 p.m., they sing the national anthem, Greg, 
and they sang the national anthem while we were there because it was nine o'clock while we were still there. And I want to tell you, there's people in this country that take a knee for our, our national anthem, people that make millions of dollars. But these men in jail, they sing, they stand for the national anthem and they put their hand over their heart and they sing it more patriotically than I've ever heard in my life. And that's that's what that picture is of. And we saw that and, and sang it with them last night. Marjorie Taylor Greene, you know, those responsible for this mistreatment and this injustice, they have to think about they have to think about their future. And there may be criminal uh, criminal liability here, in my opinion, on the way the, the, how this has all been handled. Yep. We'll, we'll see. I have to go. Marjorie Taylor Greene, Republican of Georgia, we thank you again to be continued. And I'll be right back. Have you checked out the Newsmax Daily Podcast with me, Rob Carson? You get daily news, insightful commentary, and believe it or not, comedy. Check it out wherever you listen to your favorite podcast or at NewsmaxTV.com slash podcast. You've seen the videos a million times. Uh, no one in D.C. can stop talking about it. They are exploding January 6th clearly for political purposes, and the entire national security community seems focused on it. But why do they ignore things like this? At the Interior Department a week ago, there was one hell, excuse me, of a protest, and they were trying to get in, force their way into the building. I think these folks were uh, protesting climate change, but whatever, you're not allowed to do that. It looks a lot like January 6th. A lot of folks noticed the similarities, including Congressman Greg Stubbe on the Judiciary Committee, and he raised this issue with the Attorney General, Merrick Garland. It's clear that you feel very strongly about using the full force of your position to prosecute those involved in the January 6th protests. Just last week on October 14th, a group of extremist environmental and indigenous protesters forced their way into the Department of Interior. Do you believe that these environmental extremists who forced their way into the Department of Interior are also domestic terrorists? Uh, so uh, with, I'm not going to be able to reference that specific incident since this is the first I know about it, but I will say that the department does not care. So this is the first that you know about an incident where indi protesters forced themselves into a federal government building right here in D.C. Like you didn't hear about this at all. This particular example, it doesn't mean the Justice Department doesn't know about it, but I personally haven't heard about it before, what you're saying right now. Congressman Greg Stubbe joins us, Republican Florida, member of the House Judiciary Committee. Sir, welcome and great job yesterday. Uh, are you satisfied with your answers? Oh, of course not. Yeah. And what just blows my mind is either he's completely outright lying to Congress and the American people, or the, his deputies just didn't tell him that left-wing extremists forced their way into a federal building, which also doesn't surprise me and shows you the level of politicization that has happened at the Department of Justice. You know just as well as I do, if those people had Trump and MAGA hats on and were forcing their way in the Department of the Interior, would be all over the mainstream media. He would have known everything about it, and they would be using, in his quote, the full force of the Department of Justice to prosecute all those people. Yet he doesn't even know about it. It's wild, it's wild. And you you highlighted it and you had photos and it was brilliant, by the way. Uh, I would like to show the folks uh, a little bit more from what happened yesterday. So you have two pictures of individuals forcing themselves into a government building right here in Washington, D.C. 
And one, you very, as I laid out, very welcomely call them domestic terrorists, but you're refusing to call groups like this who commit the same atrocities here in Washington, D.C., domestic terrorists. One I know the facts of, the other I don't know the facts of. Um, well, I'm, tell I'm showing you pictures. Here's facts right here. If, if you want to, we'll, we'll act like we're in a courtroom. Exhibit A, Exhibit B, January 6th. Department of Interior. Well, as you know, based on these one, pictures of people forcing themselves into one, the one picture, it's not going to be able, I'm not going to be able to resolve a legal determination based on one picture. Again, great job. Now, look, after a hearing like that, and he's got a lot of staff with him, and obviously the Justice Department. Did anybody get on the phone with you and say, "Okay, we're going to look into this"? Uh, you know, uh, thanks for the information. Uh, we're on it, or we already started an investigation. Anything like that happen? Oh, of course not. And and for the record, 55 people were arrested at the Department of the Interior for that protest and them getting into the building. Officers were injured. Officers had to go to the hospital. Security personnel were injured. And there were other people who they didn't get to arrest that got away. And he has no idea that this even happened. So it, it just like I said in the hearing, it blows my mind that the attorney general of the United States doesn't know that a federal building blocks from his own office was intruded into 55 people arrested and he just he has no idea that this even happened uh by the way i'm going i just went to the fbi's twitter page and the very top tweet the pin tweet that, that they want you to see is about january 6th they are still seeking information regarding people who committed violence at the capitol on january 6th this is officially the number one priority of federal law enforcement, and he doesn't even know about what happened there. Are you at all concerned about the people who were arrested? Something tells me, though, we don't have to be too concerned because I have a feeling they're not going to treat them like domestic terrorists, uh, like the January 6th crowd. Well, my follow-up to this hearing this week is going to be a letter to the attorney general asking for the status of those 55 individuals that were arrested, the status of those who were there protesting, who entered the building, who were not arrested, what the status of that investigation is, if the, if the Department of Justice is going to try to arrest them and put them in solitary confinement and have the SWAT team from the FBI enter their homes like they do the January 6th protesters. But you know as well as I do that the, that the AG is not going to respond to my letters. He's not going to respond to emails. He's not going to respond to any requests from Republican members of Congress because we have a completely politicized uh, attorney general's office right now in Washington, D.C. They're not required to? I mean, you are a sitting member of Congress. You are on the Judiciary Committee. They have Legislative Affairs Office. They're, they're, forgive me, they're blowing you off to that extent? They're, aren't, they're, not, they're not compelled to respond or cooperate? They will completely ignore us because we're in the minority, and that's why it is so important that we take the House back next November, and then all these type of requests, suddenly when Jen Jordan, the chairman of the Judiciary Committee, is subpoenaing records from them, requesting them to come in and testify, asking for documents. It's a totally different ballgame. But right now, because we're in the minority, they just ignore everything that we're doing, just like Speaker Pelosi does. I never got a good look at Merrick Garland before. Uh, you know, I knew he was out there. I, I quite frankly just didn't take a good hard look at him. And I was I was aghast at how political he was, although I had heard this. I want to play. This is from May 12th. What he said about January 6th, and I think this is, uh, he's either delusional or he's being totally dishonest, but here he is characterizing January 6th a couple of months ago. 
In my career uh, as a judge uh, and in law enforcement, I have not seen a more dangerous threat to democracy than the uh, invasion of the Capitol. If there has to be a hierarchy of things that we prioritize, uh, this would be the one we prioritize uh, because it is the most dangerous threat to our democracy. All right, I'm looking it up. It looks like he was actually in federal government on September 11, 2001 which was, I believe, a, a greater threat to our democracy than the, uh, the events of, of January 6th. So uh, it's going to be a stalemate. I mean, these guys are just going to take it as far as they can until the midterms. Uh, what, what, else, what other recourse do you have? The only other recourse that Republicans have right now is Republican states standing up against this. I sent an email to Governor DeSantis's folks today about the crisis that we have on the southern border, and states like Florida have, have sovereign have sovereignty. They're a state under our Constitution. So they need to start pushing back on all these illegals that are showing up that the federal departments of Homeland Security and Border Patrol are dumping illegal immigrants off in their states. They have sovereignty under our Constitution. So states need to start pushing back and states need to start filing lawsuits. The problem is, is that takes time. It takes time for those issues to get to the United States Supreme Court. And in the meantime, you're seeing what's happening to our country. Well, Congressman Stubbe, we're glad that you're there. Very glad. And uh, keep it up. Let's stay in touch. Congressman Greg Stubbe, Republican of Florida. We appreciate it, sir. Thank you. Thank you. All right. To be continued. And we'll be right back. Right there, circled on January 6th, is uh, Jenna Ryan. She is a realtor from Texas. She was there on January 6th on Capitol Hill. Well, yesterday she pleaded guilty to one count, misdemeanor parading, demonstrating or picketing. And uh, let's see here. She's going to jail for 60 days starting on January 4th. Uh, wow, she's going to jail. Jenna Ryan joins us right now. Uh, welcome to Newsmax. First of all, how are you and are you ready for jail? Oh, yeah, as ready as I'll ever be. Um, this has been the most atrocious year you can imagine. I am not in good shape. I don't even know how I'm sitting here, but, uh, you know, it is what it is. And uh, I went into sentencing yesterday and... Um, it was determined that the things that I said at the, at the, now I know it as a riot at the time I didn't get it, but I thought it was a protest. The things that I said were considered free speech. However, um, I still am going to be going to prison because I was the face of the riot because they made me the face of the riot because the news media put so much attention on me. The judge said that they needed to do it in order to deter people in the future, even though I only took a few steps into the building and only stayed for two minutes and eight seconds. He said, we have to use you as a deterrent for this to happen in the future. So it, in my opinion, it's a little overboard. I don't, I can't even believe that I got prison for that. Where are you going to prison? Do you know yet? We're um, hoping that I go to Bryan, Texas. It's a camp. It's a minimum facility, minimum security facility. It's a camp. And I'm not going until January 4th. 
Um, I would like to go right now because I just love to get it over with so that I could start the new year, but I have to carry on through this year. And next year I will be in prison for two months for standing up for my rights. All I did was walk in and walk out. And I was definitely guilty of that and happy to plead guilty. I tried to plead guilty in February. Um, I have no problems. I didn't expect to, I just, I can't even imagine, you know, all those 600 people that have been arrested are now wondering what's going to happen to them. And prison is, can happen. So I think um, you're being penalized, by the way, for some other factors, possibly, that are, it's, it's unfair to you. You know, uh, I think you took a jet. Did you take a private jet to, to, uh, to uh, D.C.? They're holding that against you, like, oh, a person of privilege. I mean, do we have that picture? That, that, that's a problem for the media. That's a problem for possibly the legal system. I'm not sure. But I think you're being punished in part for this. I'll, I want to get your thought on that. But first... CNN was celebrating the fact yeah. that you're going to jail. Oh, yeah, I've received. Hold on one second. I want to play this. So her name is Jen uh, Jennifer Ryan. She's a Texas real estate agent. She had said after she was uh, charged for uh, what ended up being pleading guilty to a misdemeanor for going into the Capitol and her role in the insurrection that she was definitely not going to jail. She tweeted that adamant she wasn't going to jail. She has now been sentenced to 60 days in jail. Yeah, and it's not just that she said she wasn't going to prison. She basically, she said she was white, right? right? Do we have the whole, I don't know if we have the whole tweet, but she said, you know, I've got, I've got blonde hair, I've got white skin. Sorry, I'm not going, I've got a great job. Sorry, I'm not going to jail. All right, so, um, well, look, I wanted to ask you first about the private jet. I do have to ask you about the tweet. There is a tweet. Yeah. Hey, we've all, we've all made bonehead mistakes on Twitter. Plenty. Here, right here, responding. my hands up. I was responding to someone else. As you can see, I was replying to someone who was saying, you're a blonde, blah, blah, blah. And I was just trying to take up for myself. And the media has taken that. That's just one more example of how they've taken my image and used my image to skewer Trump, to skewer Trump supporters, and definitely to skewer myself. You know something? And you're going to have to forgive me. I see that that is in response. And you're saying, sorry, I have blonde hair, white skin and a great job. Right. Yeah, you have been um, you're you're a victim here. You really are. I'm a big time victim. Like I've gone through hell like they've gone through my phone. Um, text messages that I sent to my mother on her deathbed were brought up at my sentencing. Um, I was treated like a terrorist at the airport with eight TSAs at the tarmac, searching me in front of everyone at the tarmac, as well as at the normal search place. I cannot tell you how I've been treated and it's been horrible and it's, it's a travesty. And I hope that I don't get in trouble for talking right now. I, I, I would hate for that to happen. Um, but I, you know what? I admire your spirit and, um, who knows what's going to come of this? You know what I mean? I hope something okay. something great can come from the most awful things. Do you know that? Have you ever seen that in life? Yes, I have. And that's usually how things work. And what we're going to do is now take action against some of the cancel culture. Um, anyone out there who's spread lies about me will be hearing from my people in the future. Jenna Ryan, uh, to be continued. Yes. Very much so. Uh, I'm sorry this is happening, but I'm kind of excited <laughs> because something, again, magnificent could come from all of this oh. horror. Uh, I hate to say it, but good luck in prison. Come back soon, okay? Let's talk before then.
Okay. Talk to you soon. Have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. Wow. We'll be right back. According to Bob Woodward and your, from your conversations with him, Nazis and Oath Keepers, but it also included two conservative media outlets that you listed in your notebook, including the Epic Times, which, by the way, is a news outlet that was founded by critics of the Chinese Communist Party, and Newsmax, which is the second most watched conservative media outlet in the country today. Do your notes about January 6th reference both Epic Times and Newsmax as on a list of domestic terrorists? I'm not recalling this conversation at all. It's, I, in, I, it's in the book. It, it may be in the book. I haven't read the book. I'm not recalling a conversation about Newsmax, Epic Times. Very interesting. Who knew? Newsmax in the news today. We're mentioned in Bob Woodward's book, and uh, General Milley reportedly had all kinds of concerns about your favorite station. Another reason why I don't like General Milley, but I do like, very impressed today with Congressman Banks, Jim Banks, Republican of Indiana, who brought this up and some other important issues. Congressman Banks, welcome back to Newsmax. How are you? Good to be with you. I'm doing okay. So look, a couple of things. Number one, Milley, across the board, forgetting about this conversation for a moment that you had, but I find a lot of non-denial denials. He's very careful with his, uh, with his words. You're asking about his notes he says, I don't recall a conversation. Did you notice this throughout the day? He seems to be very steeped in how to tell the truth, but very, very narrowly. A, a skilled politician, perhaps you would call him. Uh, that's exactly what he is. I mean, we now know because he confirmed it today and yesterday, he spent many hours spilling his guts, not just to Bob Woodward, but to every political writer, reporter, and author in Washington, D.C. Uh, He told us that uh, before the committee today. He didn't deny much of anything that I asked him, but both Bob Woodward can't be right by recounting stories in the book and then uh, 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 General Milley's denials before the committee. That can't be right as well. One of them are wrong, and I want to get to the bottom of it. So um, Milley also has to be careful because Bob Woodward is known to record his conversations So I think that's one of the reasons why he's being so evasive. More from your exchange today with General Milley. Do you have a notebook that lists Newsmax and Epic Times as domestic terrorists as recounted by the Bob Woodward book, Peril? Or is Bob Woodward lying to us in the book? I I don't know. I I don't recall any conversation about Epic Times. Do you believe that Newsmax and Epic Times are domestic terrorists? Terrorist or their no, viewers I think, or readers no, are domestic terrorists. No, not at all. I don't think Epic Times nor Newsmax are domestic terrorist organizations. Wow, what a relief. <laughs> but in his notebook, as published by Bob Woodward, we have this. If we can put it up on the screen, if you don't mind, Congressman. Uh, this is Bob Woodward's writing, uh, and he's referring he, General Milley, on January 6th. He wrote, what is this amorphous thing that just happened on January 6th? Who are these people? He jotted rapidly. 6MWE, which is a Holocaust reference. Extreme Tea Party. QAnon, he added, taking note of the fully discredited conspiracy theory. Next, Patriot movement, a far-right militia, we the people movement, Nazis, Proud Boys, the Oath Keepers, Newsmax, the conservative news website, which had been friendly toward Trump for a long 
time. Uh, I have to tell you, if he's thinking that about Newsmax or writing that down, I happen to, not bragging here, this is the number one show on Newsmax, so I guess I would be one of the terrorists he's wondering about. He really has made a spectacle out of himself. How does he go on in this job? I don't see how he can. I don't see how he can either, Greg. And that, that was my, my very first question I asked him is, explain to us why it's a bad thing for the military to be political and for the nation's top general, top officer in the entire United States military to be a political figure. And he agreed with me that that, that is a dangerous precedent, that generals shouldn't be political, the military shouldn't be a political organization. But then you have him engage in regular political activities. And the, and the Woodward book is just one example, but it's a big example. The entire book, in the entire book, he is a main character. He, he bashes and undermines the commander-in-chief, President Trump, who he reported to at the time, talking about he agreed with Nancy Pelosi, talking about being, President Trump being crazy and his mental decline. Then he lists conservative outlets like Newsmax, which I take offense to this because I watch Newsmax too. So do a number of my friends and family members in Northeast Indiana. Uh, Newsmax is a popular outlet. And here's the top general in the United States military saying that Newsmax is one, responsible for the January 6th attack, and two, a domestic terrorist organization. He's completely lost trust with the American people by making these comments. He's, he has, he's a lot more interested in talking to Bob Woodward and political authors to manage his image than he is in leading our military and addressing situations like the catastrophe in Afghanistan. I will say this about Bob Woodward, though. He has been known to make things up. He, uh, your colleague uh, on the Democrat side, Smith, he got a story about him totally wrong. He's been making up things throughout his career. He may have embellished this stuff, but if you put aside these books, there's enough to, <laughs> for Millie to walk away to resign based on what happened in Afghanistan and his previous uh, statements about President Trump, the ones that he made in public, the apology last year, which, by the way, I was hoping that would come up a little bit more, his treatment of Trump, because it does seem, even in the public record, that he was out to undermine him every step of the way. Now, the book tells us that. Whether Bob Woodward is completely accurate or not, uh, there are too many stories in this book. I, by the way, Greg, I've read it. Uh, there are too many stories recounted in the book that come directly from General Milley, uh, who is who sits down with the with the political author for a politically charged book that he knows is going to be uh, a book that that is, comes from a negative perspective about his former boss, the guy who appointed him to the job. By the way, he knows that when he sits down with Bob Woodward, and that was the point that I was trying to make throughout my five minutes of questions with General Milley, that by engaging in regular political activities, this is a pattern of behavior, by the way. It's not just one book. It's a pattern of behavior that dates back to last summer when he politicized his role, when he, when he apologized for walking in Lafayette Park with President Trump, when he came before the House Armed Services Committee and said he was uh, interested in white rage and these types of issues um, uh, from the beginning of the Biden administration to many of the political things that he said, bashing and undermining President Trump that are recounted in this book and others. So we got to hear a lot about that today, but this is a long pattern of behavior by the by the highest ranking military official in America, uh, making his, his role completely political. Let me say this, I, he said he wasn't going to resign. He should, he said he's not going to resign though. But when he turns over the reins of this very important job to his next, to the next chairman of the Joint Chiefs, I, I hope that that next, uh, 
a chairman of the Joint Chiefs looks at General Milley and, and learns from all of the mistakes that he made rather than rather than repeating them, because this shouldn't be a political job. And I hope it I hope it serves as a example of what not to do for whoever follows. He's too toxic. He's too uh, he's red hot right now. Do you think he will actually leave? He serves at the pleasure of the president. Is there any chance that, you know, he's worn out his welcome? Uh, they, they love him. They love him they because love him. he bashes President Trump. Yeah. So the Democrats and Liz Cheney all spent their time defending uh, General Milley rather than holding him accountable for what he's done by, by politicizing the military. So by, just by nature of bashing President Trump, they, uh, all the Democrats and Liz Cheney love him. That's what I figured. I mean, Congressman Moulton, one or two others, but uh, yes, that's where they are. Well, Congressman Banks, I'm glad you're on that committee. I, I, I'm frustrated that you only get five minutes. You know what I mean? We, they move on so quickly. It's, uh, it can be frustrating, but we're glad you're there. Congressman Jim Banks, Republican of Indiana, member of the House Armed Services Committee. Thank you, sir. Thank you. And thank you for defending Newsmax today, by the way. We'll be right back. On the right there is Lonnie Kaufman. He is from Alabama. He served in the Army honorably for 10 years almost, one year in Vietnam. But now he's in jail. He's in the D.C. Central Detention Facility because of, well, he was there on January 6th, and uh, he is in some trouble. He's got a 17-count indictment against him, unlawful possession of destructive devices, carrying a pistol without a license. But uh, look, he's going to be with us right now on the phone. I don't want to get him into any more trouble. And Lonnie Kaufman, uh, thank you for joining us. You're on the phone right now from jail. Can you hear me, sir? Yes, I can. Welcome to Newsmax. You've been in there since January and you're 71 years old. Can you tell us how you're feeling and how you've been holding up? Well, it's been kind of rough because I had uh, issues before I uh, was uh, arrested. I uh, was being treated for depression, and uh, the medication uh, wasn't... Uh, I didn't get the medication on a regular basis like I was getting before because... Uh, when they arrested me, they had to get all the stuff together, try to find out what I was taking and all that. But uh, uh, even after they found out, they didn't get the proper uh, proper dosage. And uh, so I've had several issues uh, with that, trying to get the proper medication to, uh, to uh, treat the depression. And, uh, of course, well, this, this is not the best... Uh, uh, atmosphere around here for uh, anybody with uh, depression problems. Of course, of course. Well, look, um, we all know by now that the conditions in there, even for a person who is, uh, you know, on top of the world, emotionally, it's so rough. Um, is there anything you regret about January 6th? Uh, yes, uh, I should have stayed home because what I come here for, and I won't get into any details about January 6th, but I came here for information uh, and I was unable to uh, attain that information and all it did was wind up uh, getting me in here. Uh, so uh, that's, that's my regret. Now I understand. Not being able to find out. Sir, you're a person of faith, and 
I understand that you are not able to attend religious services in the jail. Is that correct? Oh, that's correct. I think that's your right, by the way. Is there any, uh, has there been any explanation as to why such a basic service um, would not be offered? Well, basically, they, they're always trying to use the COVID thing for a reason they've done all this stuff. We can't even get a, a shave or a haircut because uh, unless you've got uh, the certificate that you get when you get uh, inoculated, and uh, so only those that have taken the, both the shots can get a shave and a haircut. We have a little beeping in the background. We understand there's a time limit on your phone call. Okay, do me a favor. Can you just set the scene for us right now? Where are you? Uh, how much time do you get on the phone? And, and what, what's around you right now? Uh, well, I'm in what they call the TV room, but there's not use for that right now. Uh, and uh, the phone time limit is 15 minutes from the time my first uh, call was made. I understand. I understand. Um, listen, if folks want to help you, there is a way to do that. Uh, I want to put this up on the screen. It's the Give, Send, Go uh, page uh, that's been set up for you. GiveSendGo.com slash Bless Lonnie. And uh, all the information is there and uh, people can help out. And they really do want to help out the January Sixers. Look, some mistakes were made that day, we know. But it just seems totally out of control how uh, most of you guys have been treated. Sir, is there anything you'd like to share with us? We all need need the American people to know that we're not uh, the things that we've been labeled since uh, January 6th. We're not terrorists. We're not uh, we're not insurrectionists. Uh, uh, none of those things. And uh, we are patriots, and we love our country. We even sing the national anthem every night at uh, nine o'clock. And we just need the American people to know that uh, that's the truth of the, the matter. And we need we need the American people to support us. Uh, can I ask you about your family, relatives, friends? Have they been able to visit you? And, and how are they holding up, uh, as best you know? Well, my family aren't able to come up here. Uh, like you said, I'm from Alabama. And... It's a, it's a long way, and uh, they just can't uh, take that time off. Uh, I haven't had any any visitation. Uh, I think I think a few of the people have uh, managed to get visitation, uh, but not myself. Well, uh, Lonnie, this is a, this is a tough thing you're going through. Uh, I'm sorry, and uh, I know some people got carried away on January 6th, but also we got to put this in. It's proper perspective, I think. Um, when are you due in court? I am supposed to go to court uh, this Friday. And what's going to happen? Do you know? Uh, yes, but I can't, uh, I can't discuss that. I'm sorry. I understand. I understand. Well, uh, Lonnie Kaufman, uh, I wish you luck. And uh, by the way, if you don't mind, what was your job in the Army? Uh, I was a senior truck driver. And I understand you were uh, in Vietnam for your service, portion of it? Uh, yes, I, I spent 
I went over there in uh, 69, in the middle of 69 to the middle of 70, third one year. This is all going to come to a close at some point. What's the first thing you're going to do when you get out of jail? Probably uh, get them out and do, and uh, I might even go back and, and, and smoke one cigarette because I was a smoker before I come in here, but I managed to, uh, to bear that pretty well, better than I thought I would. But I might just have to have one. <laughs> a Mountain Dew and a smoke. Lonnie Kaufman, listen, I don't know if you realize this or if you're, uh, you're, you're, you're the fellow January Sixers, but we're thinking about you and we're talking about you every night on television. And this has gotten oh, totally... Appreciate it. You bet, sir. This has, gone totally, this has gotten totally out of hand, obviously. I'd like to put up your Give, Send, Go page one more time, if you don't mind, folks in the back. Uh, www.givesendgo.com slash bless Lonnie. And you can read up about uh, his situation there. Lonnie... Uh, again, hang in there. We're thinking about you, and uh, good luck. Thank you very much. We appreciate it. You bet. You bet. We'll be right back. Eric Bowling is back, and he's fighting big media, woke politics, and cancel culture. Every afternoon, Eric's new The Balance tells the truth and exposes the big lies. Watch Eric Bowling every weekday afternoon on Newsmax. Do you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump and you ain't black? Joe Biden Biden has been telling the same old story uh, for many years, but it's all phony, uh, full of all kinds of BS. And he's always getting it wrong. The RNC put together a clip. It's the Amtrak story and the anniversary and the milestone. Watch this. They keep fastidious record of the miles you travel in an America in a Air Force aircraft as president and vice president. And toward the end of my term, fourth or fifth year as president, vice president, seven years in, headline came out in all the papers, Biden travels, I think it was 1.3 or 1.7 million miles. A million, 400,000 miles. One million, I think, don't hold me the exact number, I think it was 350,000 miles. A million, 200,000 miles. One thousand, one million, 300,000 miles on Air Force One. And a guy named Angelo Negri came up and he goes, Joey, baby, grabs my cheek like that. And he said, big deal, Joey. A million, whatever it was, 300,000 miles. Two million miles. A million, 200,000, 300,000 miles. You know how many miles you travel on Amtrak, Joey? And I said, no, Angie, I know. And he said, that retirement dinner, we calculated it. We estimated it. 127 days a year. 119 days a year. 131 days a year. 117 days a year. 121 days a year. 36 years. Plus, as vice president, boom, boom, you have traveled over 2 million miles. 1,515,000 miles. 2 million, I think it was 180, but 2,200,000 miles. 2,100,000 miles on Amtrak. It's a true story. Good stuff. Good stuff. All right, Joe, I'd retire that story forever. And then, quite frankly, you should retire. Let's face it, okay? This is not working out. Thank you, everybody, for watching. Have a good one.